Have you ever listened to a sermon and then years later found yourself thinking back and deeply impacted by the teaching that you have received? I had that experience some years ago. I was in a conference. I listened to a sermon by Wayne Cadero. He's the pastor of New Hope Church in Hawaii, and he did some teaching on the heart. It has stayed with me ever since, and the image that he gave us has continued to motivate my thinking and affect my behavior. I want to live up to the vision that he cast for us. Talked about a season in his own life when he was doing a lot of things and rushing about and busy, and he'd become quite distracted and a little short-tempered, and he was engaging with a colleague and found himself frustrated and their relationship was collapsing. And he caught himself in the midst of this and he asked himself a very important question. Can, can I see my friend's heart? Can he see my heart? Where, where's the heart? Where's the heart? And he realized that he had lost sight of his friend's heart. He couldn't see through to his friend's true motives and, and, and true attitudes and the real drivers. And he was responding to external things in himself and in his friend. So he went to his, his friend and colleague and he spent some time in conversation and working through their relationship, tearing away all the stuff that had gotten in between them, all the bits of misunderstanding and, and, and things that were crippling their conversation. Where's the heart? Where's the heart? Pushing in and taking the risks and doing the hard work until he could see his friend's heart again and his friend could see Wayne's heart and the two of them were able to connect and the relationship went back to the flourishing place that they had known and enjoyed for such long seasons. That image, that teaching has stayed with me for a long time. It is what I aspire to live up to in relationships not to rush about reacting to the externals and the, 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 the responses that are so surface, but to see one another's heart and to respond from one human spirit, one in, inner story, one, one place of heart and truth to, to another. Such an important teaching for our time, such important wisdom. Do, do you want a new heart? Pull back all the stuff that's in the way. Uh, open yourself to others and invite them to do, this, do the same and connect heart to heart. And in this season where we're isolated and we're spending time together uh, in families but, but shut off from so many relationships and networks, uh, can you see the hearts of those around you and are you responding to their hearts? This teaching gripped me and I found myself relating it to what I was reading in the Bible as I did some study of the book of Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, uh, God speaks to Israel and speaks through Moses and through the law of his desire to be in relationship with the children of Israel. And he speaks about the heart. And these words in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6 grabbed me. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. This is a, a, a picture of what, what Wayne was describing in, in, the, in the relationship that I would have with God and that you would have with God. God wants to have a relationship where our hearts are open to each other. No calluses, no clutter, no incrustations, no, no, no kind of barriers between us. And God comes to us with an open heart and a pure heart and a beautiful, loving heart. But what does he encounter? 
in each of us. And so here's the promise of God. The Lord himself says, I will circumcise your heart. I will cut away all the calluses and the incrustation and all that's blocking our relationship. And I'll do the same for your descendants. And I'll make it possible for you to love me with all your heart and soul and so to live, to live abundantly and to live fully and to live in a flourishing way. This, this wonderful picture of how God wants to relate to us. Do you want a new heart? Well, God wants to give you that heart and it lay underneath all the crusting and all the, 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 the habits and behaviors and challenges of a life lived in this broken world. God says, I will clean that up. I will, I will purge what is wrong. I will prune all the bits that shouldn't be there. And I'll make your heart visible to you, to me, to others around you, to the community, which is Christ's. This is a season uh, for, for radical correction in our hearts. God wants to take away the things that are barriers. And he wants that kind of open and loving and intimate relationship with each of us. And he knows the challenges that we face. He knows the struggles of being um, broken people in a broken world, in so many broken relationships. He knows that our hearts get calloused and, and cankered and we, we lose sight. We can't, we can't see God clearly. And so he says to us, call out to me, humble yourself, come to me. And, and I, will, I, I will remove those barriers and we will have a heart-to-heart -heart relationship and it will be beautiful and you will see my love and my peace and I'll carry you through deep challenges and give you a joyful experience. You, you, you will truly live. This is a wonderful vision for this season as we are uh, going through a, a, a global challenge that's impacting every one of us as families and every one of our networks. So there are some wonderful opportunities in this season to uh, discover that place of a, of a clean heart, to, to allow God to, to cut away what shouldn't be there be because everything is so focused in this moment. So we're often running off with a thousand agendas, doing all kinds of things. There's so much today that is unimportant that was so critical to me a month ago. But, but now things have sharpened up. Priorities have become clearer. The people in my life that I love and the, the responsibilities that, that just so, so, so much fewer, these things need to take center stage. And it's a wonderful opportunity. It, it, it creates a moment where we can think about our relationships and we can push in and we can think about our relationship with God and ask him to give us a new heart, to clean things up. It's a wonderful opportunity because of the closeness that we have as family. And some people's agendas are overwhelmed with activity and some people's agendas have just been stripped away, but we're all living at a different pace and we're all being called to evaluate our time and our lives differently. And it's a wonderful moment to call out to God and to say, God, I want to see your heart and I want you to see my heart and, and help me see the hearts of my family members and those around me and to respond heart to heart. I need to say that in this season of pandemic, there are opportunities, but there are challenges as well. There are things that are going to make this harder for us to actually have new hearts, to actually experience this work that God wants to do, to expose our heart to his love 
to expose our hearts to each other in community, things that will make it difficult. It's good to be together, but as that time multiplies, uh, it's going to get hard in some contexts. And we might find that in our family networks and in our collegial networks, when we're reduced to very narrow social engagements and we're just connecting on Zoom all the time and, and, and all, all the various uh, video connections and, and we're with family so tightly, tempers might get short, you know, it, it, it'll get a little harder. We need to have lots of bandwidth to say, I'm sorry. And, and this is such an important time to be going back to the things that are basic in our faith and, and working on these issues because this pandemic will make some things harder for us. Uh, it, it will challenge uh, the, the way that we, that we actually function and we're going to need to be intentional. That's why the disciplines of following Jesus are so important, to build those habits in, to think about reading the Bible and spending some time in prayer and sitting quietly before God and letting his peace descend upon our spirits and thinking about others and how we will serve and how we will be generous in the lives that we live. Another way in which we have a challenge through this pandemic, quite frankly, is the, the issue of where God is in all of this. And you will ask at some point and people will ask you and you will wrestle with the question, is God to, is God to be blamed for this? Did, did, did God allow this pandemic? Did he... Did he prescribe it? Did he orchestrate it? Is it some kind of judgment upon us? And, and when you start to feel the blame toward God rising up, uh, it can create a kind of cankered crust around your heart. It, it, it gets hard. What do you do with those questions? What do you do with those issues? How do you, how do you process things in this time? There are two things that help me a great deal and keep me from blaming God. One is the tears of Jesus and the other is the wisdom of Abraham. This is Passion Week. And Passion Week begins with uh, the uh, Palm Sunday and then into Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. Today's Palm Sunday. It's the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, and the entire community are celebrating the victory of Jesus and the strength of their national identity. We're going to listen to the passage from Luke's Gospel read that describes Jesus coming into Jerusalem. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, the people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near in the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. 
As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Now in those words of scripture, you heard the excitement and enthusiasm as all of Israel turns out to celebrate Jesus' entry, the would-be king of Israel. But you also heard the reaction and response of Jesus, which is completely out of step with what's happening in the crowds. People are feeling confident. Uh, the religious leaders are feeling anxious. It's all about control and who will lead and who will have the victory. And the, 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 the people who are wanting a new day feel very confident. And Jesus, in the midst of all of these power plays, begins to weep. And his tears are about the misguided nature of what is happening. Here's a community that is wrestling for power and wrestling for ways forward and feeling confident about taking control, feeling confident about how the kingdom of God will be wrestled into existence. And Jesus says, if only, if only you knew what would bring peace. And he weeps because this, this pathway to peace is hidden from their eyes. Well, what is that pathway to peace? It's taught everywhere in the book of Deuteronomy. It's exactly the theme that we're talking about today. The pathway to peace is to come to God and to let him take away the calluses and the cankers and the incrustation around our heart and to expose our heart to his loving heart so that he can heal us and fill us with peace and take us on a different path. The way to peace, the way to hope, the way to a full life is not to gain control and keep control and wrestle control. And so as Jesus looks forward to Israel's story and sees the pain that's coming, sees the hurt that's coming, sees the consequent of their choices and their path. His eyes well up with tears. People often ask, you know, is, is God to blame for the wars and, and, and the pandemics and the, the global crises that occur? It, it's very difficult to sort out all the philosophic and theological arguments about how God predestines and, 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 and controls the universe, but is at the same time giving us our complete freedom and, and, and letting, us, letting us live even with the consequences. But here's what's very, very clear, is that when God thinks forward into our pain, when God in advance sees us in a future moment of pain, as Jesus did on the donkey marching into Jerusalem, his heart breaks and his, his eyes are full of tears. This, this is the God whom we worship and serve. And so when I think about blaming God for this season that we're in, I go quickly to the tears of Jesus and quickly to Passion Week, and I remind myself that this God whom I am serving and whom I've come to know his loving heart is towards us. And whatever he knows about leading the universe and governing all things and superintending all that is, and I surely do not know, this I know about him. His heart is loving and good. And when he thinks about my pain, when he thinks about your pain, when he thinks about a pandemic in our culture, there is, there's tears in his eyes. This is the truth about God. This helps me from blaming him. This helps me to seek his loving heart and to ask him to circumcise my heart and, and, the, and the hearts of my descendants and to cut away all the, all the things that are between us so that we can have a, a heart 
to heart conversation and, and, and I can love him with all my heart and soul and I can truly live. This was the wisdom of Abraham. It's the second thing that keeps me from blaming God. When I think about blaming God for the situation we're in, I think about the tears of Jesus and realize that blame doesn't make sense. And I think about the wisdom of Abraham. Abraham lived in a time in history when people thought about the gods as sort of, sort of malicious and unpredictable and self-interested, powerful beings. They were sort of like very powerful, uh, immature children. And they wrestled among themselves, the gods, and they used human beings as sort of pawns in their, in their ploys and in their entertainment. And so human beings would face a crisis. They would face a loss. They would face a deep hurt. And they would blame the gods. And they would work out among themselves, how do we, how do we get the gods to pay attention to us and help us? So they would prepare a meal for a god or offer a child to a god or in some way try to do something to please the gods so that these gods who were powerful but unpredictable and malicious and, and ill-intended toward human beings try, try to control the way they responded. And Abraham, in the midst of this culture, had an experience of God that changed his whole orientation and changed his thinking. And he began to experience God not as malicious and unpredictable but as loving and consistent, as, as powerful but compassionate and kind. And these experiences reframed everything for Abraham and for Abraham's children and for the nation that, fought, that, that came from his story, children of Israel. It shaped everything for Jesus and for the followers of Jesus to this very day. What Abraham understood was that God, a loving God, leans toward his people. And Abraham asked this stirring question. When things are going terrible, maybe, maybe we shouldn't blame God. Maybe we should look at ourselves. When things are broken and things were hurting and there's struggle, maybe we shouldn't blame a malicious God if God is loving and God is kind and God is reaching toward us. Maybe we should look inward. Maybe we should repent Maybe we should humble ourselves. Maybe we should seek the face of God. And these were the ideas that stirred in Abraham's heart. And these were the ideas that God put there and matured and developed. And these are the ideas that Moses was teaching to the children of Abraham. That when things are difficult and when the world is broken and when there is pain, it's not a time to blame God. It's a time to look inward into our own souls and into our own spirits and to come humbly into the presence of God and to repent and to call out to him and to ask him to heal our land, to ask him to take away the calluses and, the, and, 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 and all that stands between us and to make our hearts completely open to him so that we can see him. These things help me in the midst of crisis of all different kinds and something so big as what we are facing together to, to walk toward God's love and not to, not to blame him. The tears of Jesus... Show me the heart of a God of love in the midst of our pain. And the wisdom of Abraham that reminds me that maybe we need to examine our own hearts and explore our own lives in this season. What we need is radical correction. That's what our hearts need. To have the calluses and the crusting broken away. To become soft again toward God. And here's the promise in Deuteronomy 30, chapter, uh, chapter 30, verse 6. God says, I'll do this for you. I will circumcise your heart. I will pare back all that's in the way. And, and you and I can have a heart-to-heart -heart 
conversation, connection, relationship, engagement. And when you experience that and, and, and your descendants, you'll discover a new love. You'll discover a deep passion and you'll discover true life. Follow Jesus this Passion Week on the donkey into Jerusalem to the cross, to the grave, and then to resurrection hope. This is the journey that we take this week, and I invite you to walk it with us as we celebrate on Good Friday at 10 o'clock, and then next Sunday, Easter Sunday at 10 a.m. once again. And as you walk this journey with us, know that God wants to work in your heart with radical correction to set you up into a relationship of love and joy and life with him. Won't you let God, won't you let God clean your heart? Won't you let him take away everything that encumbers and welcome this loving relationship? Would you join me in a prayer as I pray for repentance and for renewal and for a radical, radical correction in our hearts? Pray with me. Loving God, in this season of need, we come to you as the one who can clean our hearts, who can purge our lives, who can prune everything that is unworthy of your goodness and grace. To you, O Lord, who can circumcise our hearts and open us up to a beautiful relationship with you. This is what we pray for. So God, we humble ourselves. As, as we have lost control in this season, we, we understand we have never had control. God, we surrender to you. We repent of our sin. We call out to you and ask that you would forgive us and ask that you would clean us and ask that you would restore us. And Heavenly Father, be pleased. Be pleased to help us see your heart again. As Jesus wept over Jerusalem, he said that they, they couldn't see what would bring them peace. Lord, help us to see what will bring us peace. Help us to see what will bring us renewal. Clean our hearts, we pray, O oh God and restore within us a right relationship. For your glory, for your honor, for the sake of our family and the sake of our world, for the wisdom and wonder of your mission, we pray in Jesus. Amen. God bless you.